It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. Time for California Wine Country with Dan Berger and his guest today, Julie Pedroncelli St. John. I'm going to throw it in there at least at the top. Uh, better known or most often known as Judy Pedroncelli, the president of Pedroncelli Wines. Welcome to California Wine Country. Thank you. It's good to be here in, in California Wine Country and talking about our wines and all this, all the things that have been going on at Pedroncelli. Let's start at the very beginning. Let's give us uh, our audience some history of Pedroncelli. Certainly. Uh, my grandparents, Giovanni and Julia, founded the winery in 1927, which was mid-prohibition. We just still don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> but they bought um, optimism. That's 20, why <laughs> exactly twenty five acres of vineyard, mostly Zinfandel, a home, and uh, the land, and a shuttered winery. So it, it, a, the family before us had been there since the early nineteen hundreds, making wine for their North Beach, San Francisco store, and uh, of course that kind of fell by the wayside once prohibition rolled around. My grandparents continued the uh, grape growing. And once repeal, the 21st Amendment came around, we were in, the, they basically dusted everything off and started into the wine end of the business at that point. So 1934 was our first, first vintage, and we've been doing it now for nine decades. Uh, I'm happy to say we're into our fourth generation, starting, you know, from my grandparents, my dad and my uncle, John and Jim Petroncelli were the second generation, and I'm part of a large swath of third generation members, including a couple of sisters, brother-in-law, husband, <laughs> on and on. And uh, How many family members total are involved with the winery, would you say? I would say, wow, there's at least seven of us okay. in, fully involved, yes. True family winery. A true family winery, yes, yes. Dan, your thoughts on Pedroncelli? One of the historic properties in all of Sonoma County and just a fabulous family, but importantly grape growing as well as winemaking because they own a lot of the vineyard land up there and this is on the western side of of uh 101 uh in dry creek valley but at the northern tip and it's warm enough to grow certain varieties that don't grow as well in other areas of dry creek plus it's cool enough in spots to make pinot noir chardonnay lots of stuff and the wineries had had a long long history of fascinating wines well i believe we are sampling a fascinating wine this is california wine country so let's talk about what we've begun to taste certainly all right so what i brought today uh at dan's request is our rosé and it is a rosé of zinfandel we've been making this uh particular wine out of zinfandel since about 1952 53 so it's nearing this this probably our 70th vintage i would say 2022 so you got some experience with this wine a little experience okay. behind it yes and zinfandel makes a wonderful rosé it's got this beautiful fruit but i will say this is the first time we've named it as a single vineyard it comes from my cousin's vineyard uh carol bushnell owns it about mid dry creek valley we have been sourcing grapes from this vineyard since my grandfather owned the property in the 1940s and uh our winemaker monse reese uh decided a few vintages ago to start sourcing from this particular vineyard and when we changed the packaging which we did in for the 2022 vintage we added that it's a single vineyard bushnell vineyard rosé of zinfandel 
Dan, your thoughts on this, oh, Rosé? I cannot tell you how good this is. This is just <laughs> phenomenal. Wine. Well, then tell us how good this is. Well, I will tell you. Yes. Uh, the best part about uh, dry rosé is the dry. And you can make it from a lot of different, uh, different ways and different grapes. Zinfandel has always wanted to be rosé in its heart. If you asked a Zinfandel grape walking down the street, what do you want to be? It wants to be rosé. And when people make it with 17% alcohol and so dark you can't see through it with a strobe light, that's just one example of how it should be made. This is maybe the first time, maybe in 30 or 40 years that I've tasted a Zinfandel rosé that smells and tastes exactly like what this grape wants to be. And it is exactly what it is in the aftertaste. Zero sugar. At least I can't pick up any. It's bone dry. It is so crisp and beautifully fruited because it's got raspberry and strawberry as opposed to the aromatics that you get sometimes out of Pinot Noir for Rosé. In Rosé Pinot Noir and Rosé of Zinfandel is slightly different, and in this case, it really smells like Zinfandel, and I'm, I'm in love. Dan, <laughs> do you frequently talk to grapes? <laughs> Depends on the hour. <laughs> do they talk back? No. Okay, just checking. I wanted no, to No, I don't sure. hear voices. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, Julie, what else do you want to tell us about this rosé? Well, it it's all that Dan said. And uh, I will tell you, um, our winemaker, Monse, uh, says that this is between the most rewarding and the most difficult wine that she makes. Of all the, the many wines that, that we produce, uh, that she produces, this one is the most challenging. And she really has refined her technique. And I, I believe it's an early pick. So it's a rosé that has been picked early, earlier than like if you were to make a saigné, which is the method we used for many, many years, many of those decades that we were making it. But this time, last few vintages, she's been focusing on different vineyards and figuring out which ones are the best. And Bushnell turned out to be the best. And by picking it early, you get that little, little bit lower alcohol, but you really preserve that beautiful fruit without, I mean, again, it's... She she just did an amazing job with this particular style. How long has your winemaker been with you? She has been she's been with us since 2007. She started as an assistant winemaker with my uncle John, and worked with him uh, for I think seven vintages, and then she became winemaker in 2015 when he passed. And uh, but she always says, in fact, just the other day she was saying, you know, she considers the time she spent with my Uncle John to be extremely valuable. She learned so much about Dry Creek Valley and so much about the vineyards, and it was all from him. Dan, are you familiar with their winemaker? I met uh, Monse a couple of uh, years ago when they did the 90th uh, anniversary party for this winery, and it was a spectacular event. Monse is very talented. She's got a great sensitivity and that's one of the reasons why this rosé is so good, because it's not made to be showy. It's made to be dry enough to go with food. And if you were to serve it on a hot summer day, you would probably drink the entire bottle all by yourself without realizing it, because it's delicious. It is delicious. I would heartily agree with Dan's analysis there. It's a, it's a delicious wine, and thank you so much for bringing it. And Dan, You're thank welcome. you so much for asking her to bring it. Oh, well. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> We're in the middle of our California Wine Country segment with Dan Berger and his guest today, Julie Petroncelli, St. John of Petroncelli Wines. 
California Wine Country is brought to you, of course, by the fine folks at Bottle Barn, where several of these fine wines can be found, right? That's right. During the break, Dan has continued to rave ecstatically <laughs> about the rosé that we have been tasting. I've heard noises come from him that I have never heard come from him before. And you mentioned, in particular, how well this will pair with food. Talk about that, Dan. Well, one of the secrets to this wine, and one of the reasons that Monse probably had difficulty deciding on what exactly to put in the final product was that in order to make this wine as dry as it is and still work with food or without food is that there has to be a trace of tannin and white wine tannin which is called leucoanthocyanin geek alert could you spell that dan no thank you okay that component is often ignored by some winemakers but Monse is smart enough to figure out that you need a little teeny bit of it in order for this wine to go with red meat and it will go with steak it'll go with seafood it'll go with vegetarian it'll go with anything it is just perfectly structured and i'm in love with that i think it's great stuff and again we're talking about the pedroncelli 2022 dry creek valley rosé wine from the bushnell vineyard zinfandel we have another wine that we are beginning to start to taste right yes we do all right so this is our 2022 sauvignon blanc and it is entitled giovanni and julia and we've had uh, as you'll note as you look around the stores and and find our wines you'll note there's a bit of a change going on both in the rosé and the sauvignon blanc um this one tells the story of our founders it tells the story and i you know, it's almost wish you could have like, you know, the label show up in, in your in your radio, which we can't. So <laughs> but we are you'll, taking you'll pictures. You'll have to bear with me. Yes. And look folks on can social see them. media. Yes, Go uh, ahead and take a look. Uh, but don't do it while you're driving. No. And uh <laughs> Well and, we're not up yet. We're yeah. not that fast. <laughs> <laughs> Joanna and Julia's label tells the story of my my grandparents. There's a, a tree in the center. It's deeply rooted, which tells about our nine decades in Dry Creek Valley. It's twined around itself, showing my grandmother, my grandfather working together with a heart at the center. A heart for the business, a heart for what we've been doing all along, that we are extremely passionate in in what we do. And uh, if you want to go the geek route, uh, the leaves you see on this tree are actually Sauvignon Blanc leaves. It stays true to that image. It also tells the story about how Monse makes our Sauvignon Blanc. It is a 100% Sauvignon Blanc without any oak. She basically chooses a time to pick. So one block is picked one week, and about a week later, the second block is picked. We, we farm 11 acres of Sauvignon Blanc. It's the only white grape we grow. And because of that, it shows both sides. She says, I don't make monolithic Sauvignon Blancs. She wants depth. She wants character, and she gets it. The first pick brings that grassy, little bit of citrus quality to the wine, and followed by that second pick, which is going to bring that richer tropical fruit core. So you really get the best of both worlds in this particular Sauvignon Blanc. I think that she just, again, did such a great job with this. I like to say our Sauvignon Blanc is made. You pick the grapes. They go into the tank and soon they're bottled and into your glass. And it's one of the best expressions of a vineyard that I can find because there's really nothing except that magical winemaking that Monse does in between to really bring out the best in this particular wine. Dan? Delicious wine, great balance, great structure. Uh, Steve would probably 
uh, tweak me for this, but this wine, as much as I agree with Julie on how fast you should drink this, I would still take a few bottles and stick it in the cellar for about five years. This stuff is going to be fabulous. This oh, now really, Julie! Julie has a look of surprise uh, and shock, shock on her face. Shock, <laughs> shock! She doesn't. Now, seriously, this is beautifully structured to age, mm. and the way it's made is so careful with the acidity being perfect for drinking now, but also for how the wine will take on bottled bouquet within about three to five years. And most people will not do that. I will. <laughs> yes, Julie. Now, and note I, that he said, buy some to drink now, yes. but buy some to lay down for later. <laughs> it's, it's, let me tell you, this is almost a guarantee. It'll age. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. Yeah, and I agree. I think it's set up for that. Uh, all, yeah, you'll note, you know, when we taste the red wines and things like that, they're all geared. They drink now, but they'll just get better. As time goes on, you mentioned the label of this particular wine, and I'm noting the label of the rose, also yes. very distinctive and unique. Yes. How much thought and effort do you guys put into the labeling of your wines? Well, we we uh, did a lot of prep work. Uh, we were working with, uh, we are working with Gato Rivera. Uh, they are a design firm that uh, basically helped us develop across the board. But before we talked to them, we focused on our portfolio. And so what we did is uh, we created um, four wines that are going to be our top producers, meeting in production. And uh, we call them the core four. And they're the Sauvignon Blanc along with three other reds. Mother Clone Zinfandel, our three vineyards Cabernet Sauvignon that will soon be known as Brothers Mark, and our Sonoma Classico, which is a red wine blend. And those three other three reds will come out in the fall with their own package and with their own story. Um, and then to highlight the rest of the wines we make, uh, we, uh, they, Gato Rivera, helped design our single vineyard series. And then the, t the icing on the cake are the two labels they created for our, our Wisdom Cabernet Sauvignon and our Courage Zinfandel. And so those are screened and they're absolutely beautiful. I've already seen them and they're wonderful. But it's just, it, it was a lot of work because we wanted to tell our story and we wanted to make sure that people understood, you know, this is what who Pedroncelli is and who Pedroncelli will be. Because as my husband Ed always says, nobody ever wants to know what's old. They always want to know what's new. Mm. And we, again, as a family, it's the challenge is to continue to tell the story in a new way. So that's what these labels do. What is the label on the rosé telling me? What is the story there? Because it's a very unique label. It is. It's, it's an image taken uh, from a red wine that we had in the late 90s. And again... Thanks to my husband, Ed, he said, hey, this would be a great image for the rosé. And what it tells the story of is a red wine grape prismatically changing from a red wine to a rosé. And basically, it just tells the story on the front label. Someone compared it to a stained glass window. And I love that because, you know, it, it help, the sun is up in the corner. The sun is always there helping the grapes ripen. But it, tells, it just tells the story of how a, a red grape gets to a rosé. 
And folks, we're talking about labels. We know you can't see them. But if you go to calwinecountry.com, where you can find copies of all the broadcasts of California Wine Country that we have done, you will see photographs featuring the wines of Pedrincelli and, of course, the labels of Pedrincelli. California Wine Country brought to you by Bottle Barn. Co-hosted by Dan Berger and his guest this week, Julie Pedroncelli St. John, the president of Pedroncelli Wines. For all sorts of information about Pedroncelli, visit their website, Pedroncelli, P-E-D-R-O-N-C-E-L-L-I dot com. Julie, you've given us a little bit of the history of the winery. Tell us about you, your history, your story. We often have winemaking families in, and there are members of the family who embrace the business and there are members of the family who resist you appear to have embraced the business <laughs> well i did and i've been doing this is my 38th year working for the family business and uh how i was let's see roped in i actually <laughs> went on my merry way my parents said do what you want to do when you go away to college so i said okay i majored in english with a writing emphasis i went to dominican university go penguins and uh ended up over in uh, the east bay working and working my way towards possibly a certificate in publishing from uc berkeley and in the meantime i was working on the weekends in the tasting room so i was commuting from el cerrito to geyserville working in the tasting rooms and one day tasting room and my father came up to me and said hmm, do you ever think you're ever going to come and work for the family business and I was working full-time down there working the tasting room on the weekends missing Sonoma County and so I decided that I would make the move and so that was 1985 June 1985 and I've been there ever since but where you all start, you have to start somewhere. I started in the tasting room for three years. That's where I was. And uh, I learned a lot. And I will say this, what I learned the, the most, what I love about it, it was there's this great network. And I went to all the classes at Santa Rosa Junior College. Rich Thomas was one of my teachers. It was so wonderful. Uh, I learned so much from uh, Mr. Traverso. Oh. Bill Traverso. Bill, thank guy. you. I was going to call him Bob. That wasn't the right name. <laughs> Bill, I learned so much from him and his marketing classes and also the whole trade community of just getting to know everybody in the business and uh, because I'd been away for a little bit. And that's that's my story. All right. And the great news is I got to use my degree. I write our newsletter. Wrote, wrote it for many, many years and now and do a blog post every once in a while, too. All right. You started in the tasting room. Yes. So let's tell folks who would like to visit your tasting room today what that experience would be like. All right. Well, we're located in a wonderful spot where you can look at the Mother Clone Zinfandel Vineyard, which that's the wine we have in our glass. And um, you can experience three different flights, if you know, one of three different flights. Uh, you get six wines. We st always start with a splash of our rosé because that's our family favorite. And then you will get to pick which other four wines you'd like to try, and then you will finish with our very delicious port, which is a dessert wine that we make from Portuguese varieties. And uh, you can do anything from the family favorites to soil and vine. Uh, you know, you'll get a good cross-section of our wines. And where are you located and what are your hours? All right, we are located in the wonderful little west of the town of Geyserville. You just take 101 North, Canyon Road exit, turn left, a mile and a half up the road, you'll find Pedroncelli, we're the only winery on Canyon Road. And um, 10 a.m. 
to 4.30 p.m., but our last tasting is at 3.30, so you can get the full tasting experience. Reservations only, or do you take walk-ins? We do reservations and walk-ins, okay. because right. we're out in the middle of nowhere, so we're not going to turn people away. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Again, for more information about the specific tasting opportunities at Pedrancelli, visit their website, pedrancelli.com. You mentioned the latest wine that we are tasting. Tell us yes. some more about it. All right. Our Mother Clones in. It's our flagship. It's the wine. It's it, Our house was built on Zinfandel because that was, was there when my grandparents bought the property. Uh, we now farm uh, 33 acres on the home ranch. And uh, we also include Bushnell Vineyard as part of this um, particular wine and a little bit of Filoni Vineyard. So um, it, Mother Clone refers to the mother vineyard being cloned back into place on the home ranch. We actually have three generations of vineyard there. We have the oldest vines, which are 100, very small part. We have the lion's share, which is second generation or nearing 40 years old. And then we even have another smaller vineyard planted to the rock pile clone that's uh, nearing 10 years old. So all of those combine into the mother clone Zinfandel with a touch of Petite Syrah which has always been part of our Zinfandel program from the very beginning. And it adds that wonderful structure and balance. If I were to pick two words to describe this wine, it would be berry and spice. Very heart of Dry Creek Valley Zinfandel right there. And it's just a wonderful expression of that wine. It's very much a historic uh, site and a historic winery. This is uh, going all the way back to pre-Prohibition days when these vineyards were uh, essentially planted uh, helter-skelter. I mean, in a, in a sense, there was not an awful lot of thought uh, uh, went, that went into this. As time has gone by, the family has regenerated the style of the wine that used to exist probably 100 years ago. We don't know that because we don't see any bottles remaining, but imagine what they talked about when they were basically buying uh, the homemade the, the consumer at home during prohibition was making their 200 gallons of of uh, wine at home that was permissible by the government they were buying fruit from geyserville and elsewhere and they would be buy those that those grapes and a lot of them were not identified by varietal they would mm-hmm. just simply whatever happened to be in the vineyard but this is all zinfandel and this is really a spectacular wine uh, agreed. Beautiful color, beautiful flavor, beautiful bouquet, if I may. Mm-hmm. Uh, another delicious wine. Yes, thank you. We continue with California Wine Country. Dan Berger and his guest Julie Pedroncelli St. John are with us. She is the president of Pedroncelli Wines. A reminder that you can listen to a repeat of this broadcast. Visit our website, our podcast site, calwinecountry.com. We are sampling yet another fine wine from Pedroncelli Winery. What are we enjoying right now? Yes, our Sonoma Classico, which is our red wine blend. This is a wine uh, that the Sonoma Classico name, what what it does is is honors the beginning of our wine roots. We, we, nobody made Cabernet Sauvignon and Zinfandel in the 1930s. They made blends, blends from whatever was grown in the vineyard. And this is a, um, an echo of that. Our Sonoma Classico honors those roots uh, in the red wine blends that were made back then. This is all estate fruit, but it is Merlot-based, along with a little Zinfandel, Syrah, Sangiovese, that are all grown on our home ranch. And that beautiful combination of all four of those grapes really just develops a very nice, soft, 
but structured wine. And it's got, again, in the hands of Monse, she does a wonderful job putting this blend together. Um, it really speaks to what we have on our estate vineyards. And uh, each of those grapes does its job in, in that particular blend. And uh, Sonoma Classico is, again, it is a, a wine that recalls the history, but lives in the present. Dan, name, your thoughts on this name, one? Yeah, the name Classico really recalls the question of Chianti Classico, which uh, alludes to the small percentage, or what is it, about 15%, I'm guessing, about Sangiovese that's in the wine. Right. And the Sangiovese is really a critical element because Sangiovese is one of the few grape varieties that has really high acidity all by itself. You don't need to mess around with the acidity in Sangiovese. So what Monse did was to elevate the wine uh, acidity level by using Sangiovese and then use the fruit components from some of the other varieties that don't have quite the same acidity level. So there's a beautiful blend here. But the wine is still an absolute baby. It's an, it's an infant. Here he goes, folks. You know, well, but seriously... If you buy a bottle of this, it will be much better if you decant it for about two hours because right now it just needs to be opened up and explode that fruit so you, you can actually access it. Julie, your thoughts on Dan's comments? <laughs> I agree. I you know <laughs> reluctantly, but you reluctantly, agree. Reluctantly, <laughs> but I do. I think you know you can't see me, and and people are going to laugh because uh, I often say that. Our Petrinchelli red wines have that, it's, my uncle used to call it grip. I call it, you know, when you, maybe you had that favorite aunt or the grandma that used to kind of just grab you by your cheek and go, aren't you cute? Uh, <laughs> that's what our wines do, you know, our red wines especially. So you get that little bit of that structure. And um, I think that's what laying down these wines will do. It has the structure to do that. They'll develop very nicely. They'll hold up. They won't disappoint you. Um, they, you know, and give them five years, give them eight years. And just as a point of reference, I still have two bottles left of Pedroncelli's 78 Cabernet in my cellar. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Why did I bring it? You want to, you want to bring the steak and we'll have steak and Cabernet. Come on. <laughs> What's the future hold for Pedroncelli winery? Well, um, we are, uh, well, we've been doing some family business succession planning and uh, we, we've been doing, that's been coming along for a few years. And I think some part of the future is actually growth. Um, we are, we have our eyes uh, set on growing some production. We've been living at about 50,000 cases for a while. So you're going to start to see that creep up a little bit as each vintage for the next 10 years. We've got a nice 10-year plan in place. Um, we are um, always on the outlook for sourcing different vineyards around the valley. And uh, we, um, again, maintaining our, our style, maintaining the integrity of the brand, but expanding so that there will be more Petroncelli to go around as we go along. So um, that that's something that's going on family is involved you know i would assume there are younger pedroncellis to be younger, involved there are younger pedroncellis fourth generation members the fifth generation it's a little hard to see where you know 16 and under you know we don't know where they're going to be they're 16 to one year old we're not sure where the one-year-olds are going to be but uh we're certainly happy to have uh my nephew mitch uh fully involved and uh, he's doing a great job he's our sustainability manager as well as our operations manager so 
he he started in the vineyard when he was around eighth grade on the summers, working with his dad Lance Blakely, who is uh, as is our VP of Vineyard Management and Operations. And so Mitch has learned as he's gone along, as all of the kids have. Going back to my dad and my uncle who worked in the vineyard with their sisters and their parents as they went along, that's how a family business is done. You learn as you go. And Mitch is doing a wonderful job. My niece Sarah, my cousin Denise. I mean, we've got all kinds of family members involved and it's just nice to see as we move forward. You mentioned sustainability. Yes. Talk about how important that is to you at Pedro and Shelley. You know, they talk about, yes, it is extremely important. When we reached our 90th year, that is when we became certified sustainable in the vineyard, and the next year we became certified sustainable in the winery. And it's very important because what I like about sustainability is it each year we have a project that we get better at. It's, something, it's not something where you just mark it and suddenly you are just like certified and that's it and you don't have you rest on your laurels you do not rest on your laurels when you're talking about sustainability because you're always doing something better whether it's in the vineyard or the winery and Mitch has done a great job leading that Um, it's from the grant that we got for the new tractor that's better on emissions it's uh, when you see our um, red wines come out in the fall you won't see capsules on them anymore so that's another you know ode to just making ourselves better at what we do leaving being good stewards of the earth and getting better at it as we go along because as we like to say it's in our dna we've been doing this for 90 years and counting and we couldn't have done that if we weren't sustainable about what we did dan one thing that's really beneficial about a vineyard project and a winery project that has been in business for 90 years or more is that you tend to own what you farm it's not you're not paying a huge debt to the bank you own that land and you farm it as if it were were your own because it really is your own and as a result of that two things happen number one is it's like when you're renting an apartment you can't tax in the wall well this is your property you can do whatever you want with it and by becoming uh, certified and doing the all the right things for the environment it also benefits the quality of the wine but secondarily it gives you the opportunity to sell the wine at a lower price even though the wine quality has gone up and up and up the prices don't change all that radically and so the Petrocelli brand has always represented good value and never more than today. All right. Julie, I invite our folks to come and visit you. Remind them where you are and what they can do when they're there. Certainly. All right. Come up, visit. We have a wonderful patio area if you want to taste outside, uh, if you want to taste a bit of Dry Creek Valley, a bit of history. Please come and visit Petrocelli. Our staff, they're very welcoming. We're just up the road, Highway 101 to Canyon Road exit, a little, a mile or two to the left, and uh, you're going to be in a, the beautiful little corner of Dry Creek Valley where we live. And you're the only winery on Canyon, Canyon road. road. That's right. All right. <laughs> uh, for more information about Pedrin and Shelley, please visit their website, pedrinandshelley.com. Dan, final thoughts on Pedrin and Shelley Wines. Uh, a wonderful family and terrific wines, always at a fair price. And these are available at, say, Bottle Barn? 
They are. <laughs> and what other locations locally might they be able to find your wines? You'll find Oliver's Market, Safeway, and many of your independent gross, independent retail places. Julie Petrancelli St. John, president of Petrancelli Wines, thank you so much for joining us on California Wine Country. Thank you for the opportunity.